Hello, friends. Welcome to Authenticate. This is the podcast where I interview people who show up as their authentic selves in their everyday lives. They are determined and they're full of grit and resilience, and they have so much to teach us on so many topics. I want you to remember that you're not alone. I want you to feel free to live your best life, and I want you to know that you have a purpose. I hope that Authenticate gives you the shot of encouragement you need for your day, your week, and your life. I hope you enjoy and are inspired by the interviews and the episodes that I do, and I can't wait for you to come on this journey with me. Hello, friends. We have a great episode for you today, and by we, I mean Nate and me. Nate joined me on one of my most recent interviews with John Moriarty of Roasty Toasty Coffee. If you know Nate, you know how much he loves his coffee and has multiple ways of brewing it. We had such a great time interviewing John together, and we learned a ton. We also learned how John took his coffee love from a side hustle to a business, and we learned how much he looks for opportunities to take a deeper dive into his passion. Ask yourself, how much do I know about the coffee I drink? I think you're going to find the answers to that question in this episode, and we hope you enjoy. How are you, John? I'm doing great, Kate. Uh, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to bring my authentic self and uh, hopefully to shed some light on uh, what I know about coffee for your listeners. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks for being willing to come on today. You have a ton of information to share. I'm, I'm super, super stoked to hear it all and to share it with the listeners who don't even know what they don't know, because I didn't know. I'll tell you, when I started this coffee journey four years ago, there was, as far as what I didn't know, I didn't know much at all. And what really got me excited early on was I realized that I was drinking coffee almost every day and I knew almost nothing about it. I didn't know if it was a seed, was it a bean? Where does this stuff, where is it grown? How is it grown? Why do I brew it the way that I do? And as I learned more, I, I pretty quickly got fascinated by, by all this information. There's so much to learn. Yes, there is for sure. And for the listeners out there, Nate, my husband, is also with me today. Hello. So it's the Authenticate and Nate show today. <laughs> so Nate had lots of questions for John because Nate is also an avid coffee lover and has a lot of the, what do you call them? Not products, but... Um, uh, many ways to brew coffee. Many ways to brew coffee. Yes. So many ways. And lots of confusion. And that drink I'm, it. I'm so excited to, to hear John help clarify, honestly. And they're going yes. to get together. We get to witness this. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and I'll, and I'll say that there, there are so many ways to brew coffee. Um, I personally, uh, at my house, have uh, a Kalita Wave. I also have a Chemex pour over, and I have a standard Mr. Coffee for when I need to brew eight to 12 cups of coffee if I have friends over or something. So I've got those here at the house and um, at the cafe that I manage. Um, I have a Ranchio espresso machine. Um, and I also have Chemex pour overs there as well. So I, I would consider myself pretty knowledgeable at these methods. Uh, I know some about other methods, um, but I, I can really hone in on, on uh, espresso in particular. So, you know, I'm, I'm here to answer any of your questions. And if there's something I don't know, I'm happy to say I don't know. But, you know, I, I've, uh, I've done quite a bit of research on this over the past four years, and I'm happy to answer any questions you have. Awesome. Well, let's dive in then. So tell me, tell us where you're from and what did you do? What was your normal life before you got into this coffee love and the coffee brewing? Yeah, uh, well, uh, quick bio, I, I grew up in Austin, Texas. Um, I went to the University of Texas, I studied business there. And 
I knew that one day I would like to start my own business, but uh, the question is, uh, what business is that? I mean, that's that's sort of the biggest question of all, and it sort of taps into this um, this sort of notion that I have that until you figure out what your passion is, what your drive, what your mission in, in life is, sort of your mission is to figure out what your your, your mission is. Exactly. Uh, and so, you know, I went to business school thinking one day I would love to start a business, but what does that look like? And I spent sort of the next 15 years of my life working in uh, for construction company, working in entertainment. I worked in television uh, for four years. Um, and then I worked in restaurants, also worked for a professional services company, uh, Deloitte, which was sort of my first uh, sort of foray into coffee because part of my job working for Deloitte services was to um, maintain the 30 plus coffee machines and espresso machines that wow. we had in the, in the building at our Roslyn office. And I remember one time asking my boss, I said, how many cups of coffee do we go through in this one skyscraper? Because we had about 15 floors out of a 23-story building. And he said, well, we, we go through about 8,000 cups a day. Oh, my gosh. And I remember thinking, oh, goodness. I mean, one building goes through 8,000 cups of coffee per day. Uh, it was sort of a light bulb went off in my head. And I thought, gosh, that's a popular, that's a popular product. Uh, and I was drinking it, too. Um, and, and then um, after Deloitte, I worked for two years for one of the premier food banks in America, Arlington Food Assistance Center. While I was there, I worked with uh, a, a young man who was doing an internship while he was at, at university before he graduated. And uh, his name is Nico Manuel. And I met Nico and quickly I realized he's a really smart guy. We started working together. And, and I said, look, for the entire, all the hours you're gonna do here, work alongside me uh, because I, I felt like he could learn from me and, and I, I could really use his help. Smart, very smart person. And we got talking about coffee one morning and he told me that his side hustle was that he was working as a barista for a place called Cafe Amori out at, at Tyson's Corner. And he said, you know, John, what do you, what do you know about coffee? You know anything about coffee? And <laughs> that was that moment where, you know, here I have a, like a coffee mug in my hand and I said, I don't know a thing. I realized I don't know where these beans came from. I don't know how they're roasted. I don't even know what plant, what the what a what a coffee plant is. I have no, is it a tree? Is it a bush? Is this thing grow underground? I had no clue. And so we got he gave me a few details on it that day. And it was about a week later that Nico said, look, I'm thinking about ordering a very small sample roaster on eBay, used roaster. And he said, would you be interested in, uh, in coming over, you know, he's staying at his parents' house before he graduated. He said, would you be interested in coming over my parents' house and doing some sample roasts in their carport? And this is like at the beginning of winter. And so you would think, you know, but for me, I just immediately said, yes. I said, I would absolutely be interested. Let me know exactly when that roaster comes in mm -hmm. and I'll come over. And it was about a week later, we were in his parents' carport. There were like snow flurries outside. Um, and we're in our ski jackets and, and with mittens on, and we're roasting small batches, half pound batches of specialty coffee. And as we're getting these, these small bags of green coffee, they look like this, um, holding a bag of, of green coffee beans. They're like pistachio green. They're hard as a rock. This is not a consumable at this point. This is just a seed. Mm -hmm. And along with, with these bags of beans were maps, 
uh, of uh, where they originated from, the actual farms. There were pictures of the farmers. There were um, flavor swatches describing uh, the ideal flavors. If you roast the beans property, properly, what the beans should taste like. And there were all these elements of geography, culture, chemistry, food enjoyment, you know, flavors and all of these things that really sparked my interest. And I realized that th this coffee journey was, um, it, it was, it, there's a lot more to it uh, than, than you just take at face value. So this was blowing your mind at this point, or were you like, oh, what's this guy really into Or was this like, whoa? <laughs> oh, I, I was, I was taken kind of immediately. Um, yeah. there's also this kind of amazing metamorphosis that happens when you roast coffee beans. You, you see the beans transform in, in front of your eyes. You're, you're looking through the sight glass, which is the little glass window on a coffee roaster. And you, you drop the coffee beans in at around 200 degrees. Uh, when the coffee, this rotating convection oven, it, it heats up to about 200 degrees. That's about the point when you drop the beans in and you watch this, this rate of rise where the beans are absorbing all that, uh, they're endothermic. They're going to soak up the, the heat energy uh, within that, that rotating barrel inside that oven. And then they're going to go through this process of browning. They transform. They go through the uh, caramelization process. Then they go through something called the Maillard reaction, um, which is what happens when caramelizing sugars combine with amino acids to create these molecules called melanoidins. And the, the most the same... common form of that is toast, right? The Maillard reaction? When, yeah, yeah, the, yeah that, that's a that's a that's a perfect yeah. example of it, and it's funny you bring that up because my little company, Roasty Toasty Coffee, I actually um, I I put a piece of toast on on my label, and as like a little Easter egg for people who who are into this kind of stuff from a marketing perspective, I I the the edge of the piece of toast on my bags um, is colored gold or sort of copper colored, okay. and that's a reveal um, to the to the actual yeah the the, the uh, the little tasty bits that you have on cookies or toast or on the edge of a steak when you grill it, mm. those are um, these chemical compounds called melanoidins that just taste delicious. Mm. Um, and coffee goes through that process. When you roast coffee, um, you're, you're essentially transforming this, this seed that's hard as a rock into this um, sort of delectable, grindable, crushable, extractable uh, product, essentially. So can you go back to, you said that, that the coffee beans are seeds. Should we not be calling them beans? <laughs> I guess you could just call them whatever you want to call them, but they are, they are seeds of, of a coffee cherry. Inside of a, of a coffee cherry, there, um, there, there's actual pulp. You, you can make uh, something uh, called cascara tea out of the, the coffee fruit. It, it, coffee fruit itself kind of tastes like honeydew. It tastes like mm. honeydew melon. It's subtle, but it's delicious. But um, in order to get that seed uh, out from the cherry, these cherries are collected on these coffee farms or estates, and they go through a, a depulping process. Sometimes that's a wet hole process. It's going through a machine. Sometimes it's placed into water and you allow it to ferment so that the fruit can fall off. There's also a dry process that goes on in, in countries with where, where water is scarce, where the coffee fruits are, are dried on uh, on these these large patios or on raised screens, but there's a lot that goes on before you just get these these delicious smelling coffee beans in a bag from a store. There's a whole process that that goes on. Um, coffee takes quite a journey before it ends up in your kitchen or at a coffee shop. Mm. And I'm sure you're going to talk about the integrity of the process as we discuss things, but 
when we're talking about mainstream coffee, uh, contrasting that to what you do and what you're into, is there some sort of like dumbed down version or chemical reaction type thing happening at this point with the big coffee makers? Or are we not there yet? Is this pretty simple? You get getting the cherry and collecting the seed slash bean. Um, is it pretty much the same way across the board? Yeah, uh, it, it's it's the same way across the board in that uh, coffee makers around the world are, are collecting either Robusta beans or Arabica beans. Those are the two primary beans that we we drink, that we that we you know roast, brew, and drink. Um, I would say the the revolution that has sort of defined the past say fifteen and twenty years in coffee is. And, and the thing that interests me the most is this, this idea of specialty coffee, this term we use, specialty coffee. Specialty coffee is defined by its, its, its quality and how, by how good it tastes. Um, you can take a specialty coffee where origin is really important, uh, how the beans were processed. And right now, coffee consumers are, are seeking out coffees that are traceable. They want to know uh, what farm this was grown at. They want to know what elevation it's grown at. What was the terroir like? And when I'm looking to buy coffee, I'm looking for very specific things. I, I'm looking for um, not only country of origin, uh, but I'm looking for elevation. I'm looking for proximity to an active volcano or, or maybe uh, a dormant volcano or just volcanic soil, mm-hmm. which is more nutrient dense. Um, I also look for farms that have been uh, owned for multiple generations, maybe by the same family. I got beans uh, last month from a, a farm that I really like uh, called Matalapa Alpino that is in El Salvador, right at the Guatemalan border. And I was buying some uh, Pacamera varietal uh, from the, the Diaz family. And the Diaz family has been operating the same farm um, for four generations mm-hmm. since the 1890s. And they've handed it down from generation to generation. So the, there are all these factors that go into making a better coffee. Really, it's about the quality of the coffee in your cup. But what goes into making that quality better involves a number of factors. I mean, really, uh, you know, it's it, on a simple level, it's like half a dozen factors, but you can go, when you take the deep dive on it, you realize it's dozens of things that go into making a great coffee. You can take a great bean uh, or you can buy a great bean, but you need to roast it properly and, and you want it brewed with, with skill and care. You can't make great coffee out of bad beans, but you can certainly make bad coffee out of great beans. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm in this sort of unique position where I not only source and roast the beans, but I also, um, I brew and serve them at a coffee shop. And so I'm working directly with my product. I think it would be a great discredit to the people that spend so much time and effort growing these amazing beans if I weren't to handle them with a particular amount of respect and reverence um, and, and, and brew them property, properly. By the time a coffee bean ends up in, in, in my in my roaster, th- there's this there's this entire life that the coffee has has lived. That coffee that coffee seed it was uh, the, the the coffee shrub that grew that seed was planted at the very least four years ago, mm-hmm. before that that plant even bears uh, these 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 cherries these fruits, and then it has to be collected properly, harvested properly, processed properly go through the whole shipping process. Eventually it arrives to me and then I have to roast it and then grind it, brew it, do an extraction. There's this, this, all of these series of events that done properly at each step, you can end up with a, a truly terrific cup of coffee, but every step along that supply chain needs to go well. And 
the more steps along that supply chain that I can help control, the, the better, because I, I, I place quality and excellence at the, the very, I have a really high, high bar. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in answer to your question, Nate, it, it's, uh, I, I can't speak to the process of every other company out there, but you can, ultimately, you can tell by the quality of the, the coffee in your cup. That's the ultimate reveal. Hmm. I like that. And, 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 you know, there's, when you look at the, 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 the largest chains out there, they're dealing on such a high volume that it would be sort of outlandish for them to be able to offer super high-end specialty coffee. Mm. They, they're, they're dealing in the you know, hundreds of millions of pounds per year in production. And you know, some of those beans are probably really great. Some of those beans probably aren't. And they sort of end up with a blend somewhere in the middle. As a little explanation of my process, I'm looking at only specialty coffee. When I buy coffee, I'm only buying specialty coffee. And in order to qualify as specialty coffee, it has to rank above an 80, uh, it has to have an 80 or above Q grade, according to the Specialty Coffee Association of America. And those, those Q grades are determined by people called Q graders, which are very similar to like wine sommeliers. Mm-hmm. They'll be traveling to coffee farms or coffee estates, um, taking samples of coffee that's grown and processed there and putting it through a sample roaster, brewing it there, sampling it. And they're looking for particular flavor notes. They're looking for texture. They're looking for uniformity. They're looking for the appearance of the, the coffee in the cup uh, for it's like opacity, mm. what we call a clear cup. Um, and they're, they're, they're judging all these different um, metrics. And uh, at the end of the day, they're going to give each coffee a, a particular Q grade. Like I said, 80 and above are considered specialty coffees. I almost primary. I, I almost uh, only source coffee that's 85 and above. I haven't sourced a coffee below 85 in, in a couple of years. Um, I only source coffee that's 85 Q grade and above. Um, I think that those coffees have a lot more personality. They they have a certain vibrance or vivacity. A professional Q grader, you would hear them using terms like this particular coffee dazzles the tongue. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, 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 you know, the, the, I, I only order coffees that personally get me excited to drink them. And, yeah. and I think a lot of people out there do the same thing with wine or beer. Of course. And maybe they just haven't found that, that whole world of coffee yet. Maybe they have, but I, I get a lot of joy in, in taking people that are into beverages, but, but may think that coffee is sort of one dimensional mm-hmm. and, and I, I like to help explain to them that there is an entire world of coffee out there. Uh, and, and once you learn a little bit about it, there's a lot of, a lot of joy you can get out of, out of drinking a couple cups of coffee in the morning, like so many of us do. Right. I think there's a myriad of confusion out there attached to how do I buy and brew and taste this? Uh, it, obviously, they, they market it pretty heavily. And you walk into a store and you're confused by what you see. It looks good. It looks, I mean, they do this, like you said, with wine and beer and so on and so forth. But this is, a, this is really, so specialty coffee, we shouldn't be scared about. Like that doesn't mean, because when I think specialty coffee, I think a hazelnut or something like that, or, or a coffee with all the sugar dumped into it, like, you know, your local Starbucks or whatever. Um, but you're saying specialty coffee is just the Q grade 85 or high. Well, for you, it's 80 or higher. Is, is basically or what you yeah, buy yeah. and what you call specialty. Yeah, specialty coffee by definition is, is defined by its quality. It's okay. defined by its quality. quality um, 
it's it's also uh, it's it's sold traceably, and so the the information that you want to look at when you go to the to a store, um, first of all, I would recommend find a local roaster wherever you, wherever you are. Find a local roaster that that sources and roasts their beans themselves, um, because you're looking for a combination of quality of the bean and then you want it to be roasted fresh. Those two things are absolutely crucial. So. You know, I, when I when I go to the grocery store, even though I don't buy my coffee there, I do like to walk the, through the aisle that has coffee and look look what's out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there is quality coffee um, on a on a on most supermarket shelves, but you really have to look for it. And and I I really would, if you want terrific coffee, I would recommend finding a, a local roaster or a local coffee shop that roasts their own beans because the, the the quality will be better. A lot of even the best coffee at a grocery store will. We'll sit on the shelves for a couple months. Some coffee on the coffee, uh, some of the coffee uh, at a grocery store will, will be 12, 14, 16, 24 months old. Um, and so you, you lose a lot of the vibrance and a lot of the personality of a good, of right. even a great coffee bean. Kind of one, like one quick story for you. I remember looking at coffee uh, on the shelf at, at Safeway a few years ago and trying to find any label or any uh, any packaging that would give me any sort of information, because you have to kind of kind of weave through it before you find a coffee uh, a roaster at a supermarket that will give you any any information at all. There was one of the big companies I won't mention which name, but they had this one this 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 coffee that's called Passport Edition, and <laughs> and and, and the, the the packaging itself has all these stamps from countries around the world: Peru and Ethiopia and Guatemala. And, uh, and Madagascar and, uh, and, and Indonesia. And it's got all these uh, passport stamps all over it. And it's got this really interesting copy about these sort of far-flung destinations and, and, and uh, uh, places that coffee has grown. Um, and it was very colorful and I, I like the packaging itself, but there was actually no information on that bag about where that particular coffee was from. <laughs> what what where, what farm it was grown we went on? To all of these nations and got the the lowest grade beans and we jammed them together and did our- <laughs> right. I I would have I, honestly I would rather them tell me that because yeah, at least right. I know what I'm getting right exactly. And and so when I sort of got a sense of the the obfuscation of the facts that goes on when a lot of companies are selling their coffee, I decided to to take a different route uh, when when I made my company official and when I set up my LLC and, and when I, I started roasting and selling more than just as a, a side hobby, but, but really looking to, to grow this as a small business, um, I formed this little business called Roasty Toasty Coffee. And, and I decided that I was going to make Roasty Toasty different. And, and I wanted to put the information right on the bag mm-hmm. so that, that, mm-hmm. that, that my, my friends and, and customers and clients and, and, um, the people that buy coffee from me know exactly what they're getting. I put the roast date on the bag. I put not just the country of origin on the bag, but the the farm or coffee estate. And I even put the Q grade on there. I also put the primary flavor notes. Uh, it's nothing that I add to the coffee. There's no flavor added. It's just straight roasted coffee beans. But you know, I, I want people to know exactly what they're getting because I know from experience, I know from roasting and, and brewing my own coffee uh, that I'll put my coffee up against anybody's coffee out there. I'll put my espresso up against anybody's espresso out there. And I know that when people brew this coffee at home, they're going to try it and they're going to want to know more about it because it's excellent. 
Mm-hmm. Why, why hide the, the, the facts on your product if you know that it's top notch? Right. Absolutely. And for people who are listening who don't know, what is obfuscation? <laughs> I just, I probably just messed it up, didn't I? No, I wrote that word down because I want to know that. Yeah. Great question. Yeah, I, I, I think it's sort of um, obfuscation. I, I take that as like purposely hiding the, 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 the truth or the feedings okay. and by you know sort of like don't don't look over here look over here mm-hmm. yep yep and i think of that sort of like me <laughs> because i would see all the stamps and be like oh look at the beautiful bag honey we should yeah no, it's clearly it. the best sure no and I, I would like to add full disclosure that that i graduated from the university of texas from the macomb school of business with a degree in marketing i i am not <laughs> I, i'm not anti-marketing i actually sure. like effective marketing mm-hmm. um you know i i grew up watching you know, Michael Jordan and Bo Jackson commercials and being sort of uh, <laughs> inspired or, or uh, you know, excited by by those that sort of marketing. I, I, what I'm against is any sort of marketing that leads the consumer astray, mm-hmm. which is um, just, okay. I'm a big believer that you can, you can give them the facts. I mean, I, I like my coffee bags. I think they're cute. Um, I still, full disclosure, I still hand draw every bag. Um, and, and that'll, that'll change soon as I, as I ramp up, um, getting to a point where I've drawn a f- thousands of pieces of toast <laughs> of my roasty toasty bags. And, uh, and I actually, I get a lot of joy out of it. Um, but when it comes to the marketing aspect, I want my customers to know exactly what they're getting and, mm-hmm. and that way they can read, they can, they know what they like. That's the other element of it. Right. Sure. Um, if you, if you're withholding the facts or, or sort of, um, just using your the graphics or the marketing to distract mm. um, from what the, the the truth is behind the origin of the coffee or how it was roasted or how fresh it is, I think you're doing a discredit to a lot of people out there um, that that are foodies, right? Yeah. People people um, and coffee is one of the world's most popular beverages, and I think that you empower your customers when you tell when you tell them where it's from when it was roasted, how it should, how they should expect it to taste, what flavor notes they should, they should look for. I think people get a lot of entertainment out of it. Mm-hmm. And, and also I, I think that there's this, this misconception that coffee can only taste a few different ways. Mm. Um, in actuality, there are over 6,000 known varieties of Arabica coffee alone. There are hundreds of species of coffee. The, the two primary types of coffee that humans drink are Robusta coffee and Arabica coffee. Arabica coffee is is much sweeter. It's much more nuanced in its flavor. The the plant itself is also a little more delicate, a little more prone to to pests and and, and disease and that kind of thing. That that makes it a little more difficult to grow. But the benefit of of, of going towards Arabica coffee is that you can get a, a lot more flavor and a lot more variety of flavor there. But the, the range can, can in, in coffee and Arabica coffee can go from, uh, you know, I, I have customers who like very citrusy and floral forward coffee. I have customers that like coffee that tastes like, uh, it's very good called jammy, can mm. taste uh, like strawberry jam or like stone fruits, like, like peaches and apricots. And then I have a, a lot of customers that are looking for a, a big body, chocolatey, caramelly, sweet what we would consider sort of like a traditional Italian espresso style flavoring. Um, but there's a lot of, of nuance that, 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 that goes into even those types of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, you can have a coffee that tastes like 
chocolate caramel pistachios and a little dash of berries. Mm. It's, it's, it's very much like wine in the sense that you can, um, by getting a single origin coffee, you can define the flavors in that cup. You can have a lot of fun discerning them and you developing your, your palate. Um, when I started roasting and brewing my own coffee, I could tell the difference between good coffee and bad coffee, but I, I didn't really, Right. I'd say my palate wasn't very refined. Over the, the course of the past four years, I've gotten to where, um, you know, I, I, I really enjoy sipping the coffee and, and picking out the flavor notes. And uh, it's, it's, it's really, it's really fun. Yeah. I love that. We were just, uh, last night, Nate was, I had the boxed wine because it's fast and easy. <laughs> And then we had the bottled wine. So he was aerating it and all that. And then he's like, so what do you think? Is there a difference? I was like, I don't know. Wine is wine. <laughs> well, sure. <laughs> I'm still figuring. Sure. I mean, I, I am not a sommelier and I generally can't tell a difference. You're not? I'm not. Seriously? No, I'm yeah. not. <laughs> that's, that's I haven't problem. gotten that far yet. Okay. I, just, I just think that's funny because I still can't really tell a difference. Now, I drink my coffee black. So he, he adds cream and some oh, sugar. Don't tell him that. Oh, I'm ashamed. <laughs> <It's> okay. <laughs> no, no. There's the, we all we all have our preferences. There, there's no shame <laughs> yeah. in putting a little a little sugar and cream in your coffee. Makes um, joy, but I can't tell the difference. I can't tell nuanced differences in coffee, but I can tell whether it's like super bitter, obviously, and like I'm like this is gross and I don't like it, or if it's a particularly good bag or whatever. Else, I'm like, oh, this is this is good. I like this one. Yeah, yeah and, and I'll, I'll tell you this, there, there, there's no getting around the fact that coffee will be a little slightly bitter, or b- bittersweet, as we say, mm-hmm. um, like, like, uh, just like chocolate, just like right. the, the, those and chocolate, chocolate. You put in, yeah, dark chocolate um, has a very unique flavor that is, is difficult to describe. Imagine describing coffee or chocolate to someone who had never tried them. Right. right. They're remarkably complex. It's a, it's a little sweet. It's a little campfire. It's a little roasty. It's a little uh, toasty. Yeah. These are, these are very complex flavors. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of people who come into the, by the way, I, I serve this roasty toasty coffee. I serve it at a place called Fontaine Cafe, which is, is in Old Town Alexandria. It's at 119 Royal Street. Um, just about a half block away from where the the farmer's market is there every week. And um, when people come into the shop who've heard that the coffee is really good, they come in and they say, how do you recommend your coffee? What kind of coffee should I get when I'm here? And the first thing I tell them is I I recommend a a double shot of espresso Hmm. um, or or, or an Americano without anything added. Yes. And and I think that that that's the same. I would recommend Anybody that goes into a new coffee shop, whether it's Fontaine Cafe where I serve my coffee, or in any place that you, you maybe you're on on a road trip and you want to, there's some coffee shop that looks looks intriguing. Try their espresso. Mm-hmm. If the beans are fresh and they're good beans, and the the baristas are skilled at, at dialing in that espresso, you can learn everything you need to know about the the flavor from that coffee if you just get that that very concentrated extraction. Now, mm-hmm. a little bit of that bitterness can be balanced out by adding a little milk. I mean, I, I like making a cappuccino. If I'm in the mood for a cappuccino, I'll make a cappuccino. I can, the, the, the milk is a great balancer of any of that little bitterness that coffee uh, adds. But uh, you know, caffeine is a, is a, is a naturally bitter el- uh, compound. Sure. And, and so there's no getting around the fact that coffee will have a tiny bit of bitterness to it. But if you get good specialty coffee, the, the natural sugars that, that, that occur in 
coffee that's grown at elevation, you get a higher sugar concentration and coffee that's grown at higher elevation. The, the coffee cherries metabolize more slowly. They metabolize sugars more slowly and you end up with a naturally sweeter coffee. Hmm. Um, but, but like Kate, you said, you like to drink your coffee black. Yeah. That's a great place to start. If you're, you're, you, you want to start your coffee journey. I, um, I, I would recommend getting fresh roasted quality specialty coffee from a place that can describe what flavor notes will be represented in that coffee. And then either get it at that coffee shop uh, as a, a shot of espresso or an Americano and get the authentic flavor. I know, you know, your, your podcast is authenticate. <laughs> so authentic coffee. This is like, this is very uh, similar to my ethos of, I, I want authentic coffee. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to know where it's from, when it was roasted, um, w- w- what I should expect it to taste like. And then I want to sure. use my senses to uh, experience that for myself. Mm. Yes. Yes. So the litmus test for those of us who are just kind of hearing this is to, to do the double espresso, the Americana, which will um, reveal any of those nuances, whether we like that style or not, it still will kind of reveal whether or not there's, there's been a cover up of old beans or maybe like whatever the, the um, quality will be easily revealed. That's good to know. And I I'm trying to hold back from asking you a thousand questions right now. <laughs> honestly i'm loving this we can conversation do a second, we can but do a second. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, we, we could always do a second edition yeah, follow-up you know. yeah. yes i i do uh i am curious though going back to your story so you met with this guy you you roasted how in the world did you get from there if you could just tell us briefly to where from you're the carport at to the business yeah right carport to roasty toasty nico and i learned a lot early on about how to source and roast good beans, about the Maillard reaction, about caramelization that goes on when you roast coffee. We were learning all the sort of technical aspects. And, but as we were roasting this coffee in his, in, in his parents' carport uh, over the wintertime, as the weather turned to spring, that aroma was you know, d- drifting into this neighborhood. And pe- some people were literally walking up the, the driveway <laughs> saying, are you guys roasting coffee beans? And you, we could tell that we had something going on. Um, when, when I bought my own roaster, uh, Nico moved to Florida and opened his own coffee shop. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he, after he went to Florida, um, it was time for me to get my own roaster. And I, I bought a sample roaster and I started roasting beans. And I realized that I also needed to, to learn how to, how to brew good coffee and probably make good espresso and learn how these espresso drinks are made. And, and so at the time, I decided that it would be a good time to transition from my, my warehouse and kitchen manager job at the, at the Arlington Food Assistance Center at the food bank and transition into working for a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. And I took a job at, um, at Northside Social um, in Clarendon, um, which is a really high volume uh, coffee shop, a, a beloved uh, neighborhood spot in Arlington. And, and I, I started there uh, as a cashier and started in on their uh, their barista training program, which is, is through counterculture coffee. And, and I trained, uh, for eight weeks at counterculture at their, their, their downtown DC location. It's like coffee lab. And I learned all about the history of coffee. I learned all about coffee extraction, um, how to, how to brew good coffee, how to, how to dial in espresso. And finally, um, 
how to how to froth milk and even how to do latte art mm -hmm. and that course was as intensive as as any course that I took in college wow. and there was a lot of education I I didn't know exactly what to expect I expected it to be challenging but there were times when when I thought I didn't know if I was going to be able to figure out this coffee thing and here's another thing I'd like to add and this is for anybody out there that has any interests at all that you're new to it um, I was really interested in coffee, but when I went into that coffee training course, I have to say that in my cl little small class of people taking that class, I might have been the worst barista <laughs> at the beginning. I was, I was terrible. There was this, uh, this, this young woman who was training with me who, she literally drew a heart in her first piece of latte art. She like frothed <laughs> the milk perfectly, drew this perfect heart, and the instructor, Michael, said, oh, wow, you're a natural. And then it was, I was up next and my latte, I had no, I could barely make froth of milk properly, much less draw hard in it. Um, and so, but, but here's the thing, um, you know, I, I, I was taking that course while I was working full-time at the coffee shop and um, it took me a few months to, to, to graduate and to, to, to qualify at the end of that course, you have to make a certain amount of, of drinks properly. Wow. Um, get, get the, you have to dial in espresso. You have to make five drinks in 10 minutes. Oh. And you have to have all the temperatures correct and all the textures correct. So and you have to make a, a dial in espresso and make a, a good shot of espresso. You have to make a cortado and a cappuccino, a latte, et cetera. And there's a, there's a judge who's testing all of these things using a thermometer and tasting them. And, and they're even looking at, at your latte art to see, to see if you froth the milk properly. And it was a lot, it was kind of a lot of pressure. I thought oh I have a whole new, I had a whole new respect for anybody who worked at a coffee shop and really knew what they were doing hmm. uh, because that, that is not just a turnkey thing. You don't just show up and they show you a few things and, and you can make good coffee drinks. So there's some real skill there. Wow. And, uh, and then I, I worked at the coffee shop. Um, gosh, I was at Northside for about, I want to say about eight months. Um, and everything was going smoothly. My skills were improving. I, I started drawing those hearts in my lattes, you <laughs> know, and, 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 you know, my, my bosses were happy and the customers were happy. And then I really felt like I was on my path. And then all of a sudden here, here comes March of 2020. Oh, wow. Yep. And we didn't, no one at, at, at the coffee shop saw that coming. I mean, we, we didn't, you know, I think we're, we, we can all agree that we're in sort of, you know, uncharted territory. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When this, when this pandemic started, we, we didn't know what was going to happen. And I was running the track at Washington Liberty High School, getting in some laps before my afternoon shift at the coffee shop when I got a call from, from our general manager and she was, she was emotional and um, she was upset. And she said, you know, I'm laying everybody off. Everybody is getting laid off, the entire staff. Wow. And we're talking about a staff of dozens of people um, wow. and really talented baristas and talented cashiers and just really solid, um, solid folks. And she was upset. I, I, I got a little, whew, I, I got a little upset too. It's just such a, it was so abrupt. And, um, you know, I, I told her, I, I felt for her too, um, uh, that that's the tough call to have to make to your staff that you really care about. Um, and, uh, we said that we would talk, talk soon if, if you know, we knew more and, uh, you know, and that, that was it. And, but that I wasn't going to show up to that shift at 1 PM that day. That was so sad. That, that was, that was, that had been decided, but I decided to finish my laps at the track. I decided, well, not going to work. I, I, I might as well finish out my run and get maybe a few <laughs> extra miles in. And it was while I was on the track, I started getting texts from 
from from some of my, my my personal coffee customers that were starting to buy roasted coffee for me and i started getting calls and texts from people that were used to coming to the coffee shop and they were asking me hey where do i get good coffee mm. where, uh, where do i get fresh roasted coffee or how, how do i brew better at home mm. and those those texts and calls started coming in consistently over those next days and i i realized that it was time it was time to get an, a second roaster and it was time to put in some serious homework yeah. um, and learn more about coffee chemistry and coffee extraction, even more than I learned uh, through the counterculture program. I needed to learn this for myself because I didn't know when I would get another opportunity to work at a coffee shop or when they would even reopen. Right. But I knew that people out there were going to keep drinking coffee. And I had a certain responsibility and also an opportunity to grow this small business um, to serve people because people will still be drinking coffee at home. Right. And, and that, that, that's, that's really when, when the business went into, to, um, when it really started picking up pace was at the beginning of the pandemic, I recognized that this was going to be a, a, a challenging time, but it was also a tremendous opportunity to, to, to grow, to grow the small business. And this is out of your house or apartment at this time? Yeah, correct. Thankfully, um, Virginia has these, these, these great cottage food laws that allow people to produce certain foods at home or, you know, and you know, you can roast coffee beans in your, um, you know, in, in your, in your kitchen or in your garage or on your, your, your balcony or patio or covered porch for coffee. It, it, it's, um, the, the laws really, really work well for a, for a small roaster. You can, you can really, um, you can get a good head start, um, roasting at home. And you know, I've just had such a, a, a blast growing the business as I went from a, a small hot top roaster to two hot top roasters to an Alio bullet where I'm able to roast, um, you know, a, a kilo at a time and do continuous roasting. And wow. And as I look to ramp up to the next step, which would be a 10 or kilo, 10 or 20 kilo machine, it's really fun to watch a small business grow and to have serve a great product so that people tell their friends. Cause you know, m- most of my customers, they're, whether they're, people that order beans for me or, or people that I ship beans to in other states or, or people that, that come to Fontaine Cafe. Some people come every day, um, got my regulars. Um, but th- those people arrive to Fontaine Cafe and arrive to, to buying roasty toasty coffee because primarily a, a friend told them, you know, mm-hmm. that this is terrific coffee. The word gets out. We'll be down. Oh yeah. We're coming. Well, and <laughs> anyone listening, I hope that you have the internet in your hands and you're going to the web to see about Roasty Toasty because- He's not up yet. He's not oh, up. I know. We didn't get to that. Sure. But we will be buying from you. But I, I do have a question um, about, are you part of a guild? Because most people, unless we're buying online from you or or someone similar, is there like a guild that that- people who are serious about good quality coffee that are looking at these, these uh, Q ratings and stuff. And, and we can really trust that they're a part of this to ensure that it's a good place to even start to go to as far as looking for great coffee. That's a great question, Nate. I'm not a part of any particular guild. Um, I would say the, the, the certification that I have is that I was certified as a, a certified barista through Counterculture's coffee program. So that's the only official certification that I have. Um, but when it, it, it comes to finding good coffee and finding a, a roaster um, that, that, that you trust their product, that's, that's worth spending the money on getting some really good beans. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I would just look at their website or, or, or hopefully meet them or go to their coffee shop and ask some questions about the coffee. The important things to ask are, look for its traceability, ask where the coffee beans came from. A lot of roasters are really proud, like myself, are really proud of, of, of where they get their beans from, where, where that, that farm, um, wh where they're grown and, and their, you know, the, the elements that make it unique, like um, the current beans that I'm roasting um, for Fontaine Cafe are uh, Costa Rican varietal. It's grown at a, a farm called Cheripo Corazon de Jesus. And those beans are, are grown above 4,000 feet in elevation, uh, you know, volcanic soil, and there are native trees that provide a canopy. So filtered light comes in and, and it, it's the sort of environment that, that grows terrific coffee. Talk to the roaster about where they got their coffee beans. Talk to them about why they roasted them the way they did. Ask them for a flavor profile. Ask them for the tasting notes. What should I expect? Because if you're, if you're looking to sort of expand your, your coffee palate and you want to try Maybe you want to try a coffee from, um, from Ethiopia that is going to taste like, like peach tea and apricots, okay. along with, the, along with the, the cocoa and caramel notes that we associate with coffee. Or maybe you want to try a really earthy, uh, mossy, big-bodied, chocolatey coffee from, uh, from a place in Indonesia, like a Sumatran coffee or a Javanese coffee. You know, or you, maybe you want to try sort of a berry-forward coffee from, uh, you know, grown at 8,000 feet up in, uh, in, in, in Kenya. Talk, talk to your roaster about the expectations for each coffee varietal. And a good roaster will often have different varieties of coffee. I, I do custom roasts for people. Um, when I meet a new customer um, who's interested in buying a bag of coffee, I ask them what kind of coffee they like. That's a great place to start. And some people are, are very definite about, you know, I, I like a big body chocolatey coffee and I, I love that kind of coffee too. That's the kind of coffee that I serve in the espresso hopper at Fontaine. But maybe they also wanna try something new. And so I have bags at Fontaine that I sell um, for brewing at home that will have completely different flavor profiles. They might, they, they, they might taste more like strawberry jam or they might taste more like apricots or there, there's a whole range. Or I might do a lighter roast versus, um, versus a darker roast for particular varietals to bring out certain flavors. You can take a, a bean that tastes completely different if you roast it lightly versus a medium roast versus a dark roast. They're, they're, they have completely different personality depending on how you, how you roast them. A lot of people wanna know these things, but I've just sort of figured out a lot of this stuff doing research and along my own coffee journey. Um, but it, it, it's fun to, to watch people to discover these things for themselves because there's like beer or wine, um, there's a, a whole range and you can find your own preferences, or maybe you're in the mood for a, you know, a particular type of coffee one day and then in the mood for a different kind of coffee the next. Right. Sure. So I, I, I sort of, I try to help guide people in the right direction. Mm -hmm. okay. on, a, on a practical note, I wanted to ask, just backing up a second. So when you, how long had you been um, with the food bank? I had been with the food bank for about two years. Okay. So what did that look like? practically and financially for you to like no longer have that job and then go to starting your own business in terms of, you know, I can only imagine it. I would assume it would have been a pay decrease to go work at the coffee shop. Maybe yeah, that's a wrong assumption. Anytime you go through a change like that, it's definitely daunting. Yeah. I, that was a transition that required um, a little bit of bravery there mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, and, and, and some serious faith for me. I, 
deep down, I knew that I was doing the right thing because I I'm really interested in coffee. I have a real passion for it. And I, I find myself researching coffee just for fun. I want to know more about, about mm -hmm. this. I plan on spending a lifetime trying to figure out as much as I can about this beverage we enjoy. But yeah, it was, it's definitely a transition when, when you go from sort of having a particular career path and then stepping back. A stable income. Yes, yes, a stable income. And then going to taking a coffee course to become a barista and working as a cashier in a coffee shop, that it was a definite transition. And there was a, a definite pay cut that I took. And uh, um, But I, I, I kept my eyes on the prize and I just thought, look, if I keep learning and mm -hmm. I keep figuring this out and I keep applying my passion tangibly and doing the homework, um, I'm going to figure out this thing. And then you throw in a pandemic while you're at it. Yeah, right, right. Just, just a, <laughs> a fun yeah, I imagine the grit was even, it required even more of that, which I'm encouraged by, you, you talked about the courage and, and bravery it took for you to step out, which a lot of us were being encouraged by a lot of stories of people who take that step and step out past the comfort zone or whatever, which you did. And then to hear, you know, it's all during this time that the pandemic drops, you basically laid off from your, your barista job, which, but in a, in the sense, I'm sure you were already in that mode of discovery and adventure, um, which is, I don't, I don't I kind of goes hand in hand, I think with that being, uh, more vulnerable to what's to come. And so it's pretty neat <laughs> to hear that. Yeah. You know, d discovery and adventure are the right words there. Uh, Nate, oh. it, it, it's anytime you go on an adventure of discovery, <laughs> there are going to be some unexpected things you find along the way. Yes. And, and I, I when, like say when I was working full time at the coffee shop, it, it wasn't like I, I, I left the coffee shop and then my day of coffee was over. I was going home and, and doing pour overs on my own time and doing sort of coffee chemistry research and uh, studying how to roast better and studying coffee varietals from around the world. I, I think anytime you find yourself in one of those moments of doubt, the best advice I could give would be to pour that sense of uncertainty, pour all that energy into working on your craft. Mm -hmm. um, even, I still have moments of doubt right now, even though the business is growing and, and words getting out and I'm getting some good press. I've got done interviews for some local you know, newspapers and magazines and that kind of thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I get this sense that things are going in a positive direction, you know, and the, the, the revenues are going up and you know, more people are coming into our coffee shop at Fontaine. But I still have moments of doubt where I wonder, am I, is this thing going to work out? Yes. And, 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 and I think those are, those are the questions that I think anybody who's ever started a business or started a, a family or started anything. Podcast. <laughs> podcast. Yeah. Started a, yeah. New, new podcast. New, anybody that's ever made a transition in a career or started anything new worth doing. Yeah. Um, understands that you're going to have those challenging moments where you have self-doubt or you, you wonder if you're doing the right thing. And in, in those moments, the thing that gives me comfort is to just do, do more of the work, right. you know, roast more right. coffee, you know, look to my mentors for, for new information, try to learn more about what I do. And, and then that, that, that just pushes me forward. And that, that's what keeps you pushing forward and, you know, keeps you on that, that sort of voyage of discovery. Yeah. And you've um, had it almost two years now, roasty toasty. Yeah, we're we're coming up on on we're coming up on three years now. Almost three, okay. And uh, of of you know training in coffee and then roasting on my own. So 
um, yeah, time, time flies on these projects. Right. I mean, starting a business is not a, is not a nine to five. I'll say that it, oh. it involves sometimes working really long days, but I get a tremendous amount of joy out of it. Yeah, that's great. Um, and, and, and you sort of, you start out at the beginning and you realize you don't know much and uh, that can be intimidating. And then over the course of a few years, you sort of, there's one day you sort of wake up and go, wait a second. I think I kind of know what I'm doing here. And then, and then shortly after that, something happens where you go, Oh man, I really don't know as much as I thought. I did. <laughs> then, you know, whether that's you get a new book that you read or you, you find a new YouTube channel with, with an expert out there who um, has been doing this for decades. And, mm-hmm. and that's when you realize that as much as you know, there's always a deeper dive you can take. Right. Yeah. And, right. Um, and so if, for anybody out there that's thinking about starting a new venture, my recommendation is, if you're wondering, is this something I should do? Ask yourself if you really enjoy it. If, you, if it brings you a lot of joy and you enjoy the research that goes into you getting better at your craft, I'd say go for it. Yeah. Go for it. And, and, and it's, the, you know, the coffee roasting started out as a side hustle and, and turned into a, a job. And, and that's, that's just sort of, a, that's a, what a gift. To, to get from, from doing a bunch of hard work to be able to turn it into, to a viable profession. Um, it, you know, there, I, I feel really lucky that, that the hard work paid off, but, uh, but it, it, the hard work does pay off. Yeah, it really does. And, and, it, you know, you also never know where the opportunities are going to come because I was roasting and selling beans, but to sort of a small group of people, mm-hmm. um, they were telling their friends and word was getting out in Arlington, but I didn't know how to take the logical next step late last winter, um, right as people were starting to get vaccinated and everything, I got an invite to go to a get together out in McLean um, through a friend that I knew through the coffee shop I used to work at. And at the last second and going to that backyard get together where I'd be seeing people we hadn't seen each other for a year, at the very last second, I decided to, 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 to put one of my sample roasters in my car, just throw it in the car. I'll take a couple bags of green beans. And when I'm at, the, at the, the, this little backyard barbecue, I'll roast some coffee. And it's nice. sort of like a, it, it. It, it, it kind of reminded me, it kind of reminded me a little bit of like when you were in school and, you know, w- what did you do over the summer? <laughs> the sort of reveal. And, and so I brought a roaster and some, co- some, some, some raw coffee beans to the, to the get together. And while we're all chatting in the backyard, I was you know, roasting coffee and coffee was turning over in this rotating barrel and people were seeing the transformation that takes place when you roast coffee and they could smell the aroma. And one of the guests at the party was a, a, a guy who was a barista. And, and he said, look, I, I have somebody you need to meet. Um, and so it's, it, it's uh, uh, the, uh, the, the owner of Fontaine Cafe in Old Town Alexandria. And her name is Stacy Warham. Um, Stacy would, would love to meet you because she's looking for top-notch specialty coffee, something, something really unique. Her, her French bistro, her, her, her creperie, has opened this small coffee shop right next to it. And she wants to do something special. So I went down that just a few days later, set up a meeting and went down and met with her. And we did a cupping of the coffee. And, and I, I told her, I said, if, if this is the coffee you're looking for, I would love to partner up. And I said, I'll, I'll put my coffee up against any of the competition out there. Um, but I, I really do source the world's finest coffee. I, I, mm-hmm. I take a lot of time to select the coffees that I roast. And then I roast them very specifically. Don't under roast them. I don't over roast them. I want to get the most out of each bean. Mm -hmm. And um, 
she tried the coffee and she was on board. And so I found myself working there as a, as a barista and providing the coffee beans that we serve uh, in the espresso drinks there at Fontaine. And instantly people could recognize the quality. People were coming in, you know, you're, when you're the new block, new, the new coffee shop on the block, sure. right. people, people try it out. And by serving the best beans, putting my best product forward and having people react to it and taste the difference. And you get instantly, you get some regulars and they tell their friends to see that reaction was so gratifying because you want it to be a success. No, not, not just monetarily, but you want, you want to have a, um, want to have a positive reaction. You're as when you run a coffee shop, you're part of the community. Mm-hmm. You serve, I, I consider it almost a community service mm-hmm. um, to, to be able to serve a neighborhood or serve a community, great coffee. Um, that's, that's something that, that is that, that, that people look for. And I, I think people in a place like Northern Virginia or the, the DMV, the DC area, Arlington, Alexandria, this area, we all work really hard. There's a lot of hardworking folks here. Um, and coffee is one of those simple pleasures that can bring a lot of joy. It's, 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 it's a ritual. And I look at coffee as more than just this, this tedious task of, of using coffee as like a caffeine delivery device. Right. There's sure. so much more to it than that. As much as I enjoy coffee, I, I only drink about three cups a day or three, three shots of espresso. That's my, um, you know, that's my sweet spot for caffeine. I don't feel like tethered to it. Like I, I look at this, I look at this cup of coffee, these, these cups of coffee or this espresso or this, this, this latte that I drink in the morning as this, this sort of prized ritual that I'll get to enjoy my morning with my, I get to savor my cup of coffee. And so, you know, we've seen a, a, a real uh, a steady, but uh, substantial growth in business at, at Fontaine Cafe. And I, I think a big part of that is, is the fact that I serve this great coffee and, and Stacy's done an amazing job at putting together a, a, a lovely environment for drinking coffee. It's very cute and cozy. It's got a, a sort of a mid 20th, like early 19th century Parisian vibe. That's cool. <laughs> nice. You know, comfortable seating and you know, art, you know, local, beautiful artwork on the walls and nice lighting. And, um, you know, we have fresh pastries that are, that are delivered fresh seven days a week. And we create this sort of cozy environment where, you know, our regulars know what it is. That's why they keep coming back. But you know, new people that, that pop in, the instant they walk in, it's, it smells like amazing coffee. Mm-hmm. There's a good vibe in the air. You've got, you know, people doing crosswords and people chit, chit chatting and, it's, it's got a certain vibe that people really react well to. And, uh, and when you have a, a, a popular local spot like that, it doesn't feel like work. I mean, it is work, <laughs> but, uh, but it's also, it's, it's a lot of fun. And it's, it, I've had uh, a great time becoming part of the Old Town Alexandria community. I've made a lot of new friends and customers turn into friends. And that's, that's a beautiful thing. It is. Well, the joy, the passion, and the love for what you do and the coffee shines through. Obviously, it's you're an ambassador, in my opinion, the for for really good coffee. And and simply, I, I remember reading an article years ago about um, Sam Calgone. I don't know how you say his last name. The owner of Dogfish Head Brewery, and the the author of the article saying, "Hey, do you consider yourself a beer snob?" And he said, no, 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 I don't consider myself a beer snob. I, I forget if you use the word aficionado, but I'm basically a lover of beer. I love it. He said, beer snobs are people who have also loved beer, but are angry that everyone else is now getting into it and learning about it. That's a beer snob. <laughs> Those of us who love it 
and aficionados, we are so happy to teach other people to, to explain the nuances of it, to share it with them, to enjoy a cup of this. And so I just see that same sort of light uh, coming from you when, when you're talking about coffee, which is pretty cool to see. Yeah, I, I like to bring people in. I, I, I want to include people in on what great specialty coffee is. I, I think there was this, maybe it was back in the 90s, and maybe this was just me, but I had a few experiences, uh, maybe at coffee shops or maybe at like, a, like a, a fancy beer bar or something where I might ask somebody a question. Oh, hey, you know, how is that, how is that drink made or, or what, what makes this unique? And we've all, maybe each, each, each one of us may have had an experience where you encounter someone who's like, Oh, you can't possibly understand what went into sure. making yeah. or this far and, above and you. That, <laughs> that 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 sort of vibe is so out. I think right now, now that we're real, now that we're fully into the foodie revolution, I think anybody who really knows their stuff should really want to include their customers in on their process. What makes it unique? I, I think that when you bring people into the fold and you show them, hey, look, let me tell you what I'm doing. They, they, you get a much better response that people really in, enjoy it. And then you, you really empower them to understand why they enjoy it. Sure. Better. You know, they get a lot more out of it. <laughs> Super fun. Well, you yeah. talked about a public service that you're doing um, through doing the coffee. And it, that sounds, I love that. Um, I would love to see in your area, if you, if the coffee was removed from everybody's daily schedule, what would happen? It's the flip side of, of the beast that would come out if we didn't have this coffee. And uh, I'm sure your customers especially are getting quite fixated on really good coffee and, and they're learning as they go to, to, to drink the right stuff. So much so that I would imagine like anything else, whether it's beer, wine, tea, food, the foodie revolution, all that stuff, whenever you taste the lesser stuff or the stuff that, that is not pleasing at all, or is trying cheap tricks kind of to get to deliver a, a good product, it's really easy to identify. <laughs> it, it is. And, and I, I like to sort of like when I was a little kid as a product of the eighties, I used to like to watch Mr. Wizard on Nickelodeon. I don't know if you ever saw the. This, I have not this, seen that. It was sort of like a, a. He reminded me of my grandpa, and um, <laughs> he was a. He was this this really nice man, sort of a Mister Rogers type. But he would do science experiments in this little lab, and would have young students come in, and he would do all kinds of just interesting science experiments, and but it could explain them um, in a simple way that got kids interested in science. And I, I used to love watching that show after school, and I, I try to apply a little bit of the same sort of method when people come into the, the coffee shop who are new customers, I try to let them know, hey, you know, we're doing something unique here. Um, I, I personally source and roast the beans. And so if you have any questions about coffee, let me know. And that sort of intrigues people usually sometimes. And then, and, and if they, when they, they'll say, oh, well, what, what, do you, what do you recommend ordering? And I'll say, well, I mean, our espresso is top notch. Um, or maybe you would like a cortado if you want a little bit of milk in there. Or if you're looking for, if it's a really cold day, I can make you a uh, a nice hot flat white or something like that, right? Ooh, love flat white. When, when I'm pulling that shot of espresso, I tilt the glass and I have them look over the counter and I show as the espresso is coming out of the spout and going into the cup, that espresso looks like melted chocolate ice cream. Yeah. Mm. It's, it, it's creamy. It's got a delectable creme on top. I can actually see in the cup as the, the two spouts, as the, two, as the espresso is at the two spouts or the espresso is going into the cup. It's creating these, these little tight, they call them tiger stripes. It's tiger striping. It's these little layers of coffee solids and coffee crema, coffee solids and coffee crema. And they sort of roll over each other. Those sort of reveals when I show people that the, the espresso is 
it's tiger striping and it looks like melted chocolate ice cream. And it's nice and, and it's got that creamy texture, that velvety texture before you add anything to it. I think a lot of people out there, really including myself before I started off on this coffee journey and started this business, I didn't know that was even a thing. You're right. I, I didn't know what great espresso was. I had had espresso and I always sort of thought it had to taste like thin and bitter and it was just sort of something you slug down. But the reality is that if you get great beans, you roast them right, and then you, you do a proper extraction, if you reach that tasty point, you get all of those things, those elements right in that process, you get all of them right. When that shot drops in the cup, it is, you can tell it's, it's, it's delectable. And it, this is a gourmet item, um, but it's, it's, it's fun to watch people react and they go, wow, I, I, didn't, know, I didn't know that was how it was supposed to be. But it, it really is done properly. Coffee is really a, a delicious thing to behold. Awesome. So where are you going from here? You've had it for almost three years. What's the goal? Yeah, that's a great question. It's obviously a huge step to be able to be to be able to feature my coffee um, in, a, in a place like Fontaine Cafe. I found a, a really solid business partner and uh, a mentor in, in Stacy, the owner of Fontaine. She has really helped me help guide me. And I think for anybody starting out a small business, find other people that are passionate about whatever field you're in that you can learn from her understanding of how to run a successful brick and mortar establishment. Uh, she's got years of experience and really knows how to staff well and how to you know, keep team morale up and how to run the numbers, um, how to make quality uh, first and foremost uh, a priority. And that way you get great people. You get people like myself sure. who want to be part of that. Of um, and, um, and so where we go from here you know, we've talked about possibly expanding to another location in addition to Fontaine Cafe. Um, where and when that'll happen, we'll, we'll see. The to, to be continued. Um, but but yeah, I, I think overall, on a, on a uh, in a big picture kind of way, I just want to continue to grow Roasty Toasty Coffee. I want to continue to grow what we're doing at Fontaine Cafe, serving the coffee. Mm -hmm. um, I want to be able to, to share it with more people. That's a big part of it. It's not just about the bottom line. I mean, I do want to grow this business in, in that way too, but that doesn't happen unless you bring people in and get them excited about what you're doing. Right. That's mm -hmm. where it starts. And, and to do that, I just need to get, get, get my product out there, get more people to try it, get more people to, to, to tell their friends. And th there's nothing that brings me more joy than having new people walk through the door Mm -hmm. um, who are excited about trying something special because I want to show them what makes the coffee unique. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and, and, and you, you see this sort of awakening where people go sort of like I had when I started off on my coffee journey back in 2018, where I went, Oh my gosh, I had no idea that I knew, knew so little about this mm -hmm. product that I enjoy almost every day. Exactly. Um, and, 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 and how good it can be. So the, the more that I can share that with other people, the better. Mm -hmm. And uh, along the way, I'm learning a lot about how to run a business effectively. And along the way, I'm learning every day, I learn something brand new about coffee. I mean, there's so much more to it. And, and uh, I'm excited about, uh, about figuring out this beverage that I, that I love. I hope to have my website up here in, in the next month. In the meantime, if you want coffee from me, I encourage you to reach out to me at, at, at roastytoastycoffee at gmail. And I'll hold up the bag for the people maybe that can watch this on video. <laughs> it's yeah, reach out. Love it. Hand, hand drawn, folks. 
Hand, yeah, hand, hand drawn. I'm telling you, this, this takes, this uh, takes four that. different yeah. types of Sharpies to draw these bags. This is, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a standard, our daughters standard are going to love the hand drawn part too. I can tell you that. Yeah. And, oh, you know, and you know, we mentioned marketing earlier. You know, I'll always share on every bag of coffee that I sell. I'll always share the information about where it came from, when I roasted it, and you know, flavor notes. I I, I want all that information to be on there. Now, someday down the road in the not so distant future, I'm going to have to print these bags, like commercially print them. Right. But the fun part, the fun side of marketing is that I have gotten so much joy out of drawing these pieces of toast while I'm <laughs> roasting coffee that no matter how big this thing gets, I'm always going to hand draw some bags. That's great. I think, it, I think it would be a lot of fun to always have a few of those hand drawn bags. Oh, yeah. It's like the Willy Wonka. It's the original. If, if you get it's, one of the hand drawn bags, you need to come toward the Ooh, factory. You should do that. It's the golden ticket. That's exactly <laughs> right. And, and, and it also shows a connection to the product. Like, I always want to work with my product. I always want to, mm-hmm. you know, I enjoy getting big shipments of beans, sorting out how to roast them properly. It's almost like, nurturing something into the world i mean it's yeah. sort of this you, you take this product put it through this metamorphosis you roast it and then you turn it into something that can be a, a beverage brew it right and then you know you you enjoy it. it i enjoy every single step of that process yeah um and it's uh, it's a it's a lot of fun i'm sure you know here's another thing being a being a product of the 80s um when i was a little kid i i love that movie raiders of the lost ark Mm-hmm. and I, I think a lot of us did in, in that 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 opening scene where where indiana jones is uh is is is, is up in the mountains there and he's you know he gets that, that that small gold statue you know it's with cape well when i went back and rewatched that movie a couple of years ago the first thing that popped into my mind was <laughs> walking around in that jungle is oh man i bet there's some great coffee up there <laughs> <laughs> looks like volcanic soil in the tropics sure. uh, some yeah. far-flung destination i thought uh oh man I, I bet there's some great coffee in there and then he's got that jute bag that he fills up to, to yes. trade for that little for the for the, the gold coffee statue coffee beans yeah yeah maybe there's some coffee in there. and here we thought it was gold that's coin. the backstory or they didn't pebbles. tell yeah yeah <laughs> he needs a new adventure spielberg needs to write the next one <laughs> well it's it's funny when, when I, I have several books or you listen to world-class bakers and they talk about that same transformation of nurturing to use your word of, of a loaf of bread from flour quality top flour and yeast and so on and so forth into a loaf of bread it's, it sounds similar to what you're talking about and you know and and for people out there too i'm consider me a resource for coffee i i'm, I'm on my way I, I don't consider myself an expert yet but i plan on working for the rest of my life to figure this thing out and and I'm, I'm happy to answer questions if people have questions about how to brew more effectively or about what makes my beans unique i answer any and all questions well to all of us i think we'd all consider you an approachable expert because that's how it sounds to us so we appreciate all of the information i i have so much work to do to brew a good cup of coffee tomorrow morning we're gonna be out here with his thermometer <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Well, hey, I'll tell you what, you know, get, get fresh beans and freshly, if you're, if you're getting good beans and you're grinding them fresh, you're already on your way. That's the place that you start. But Love from this. there, any, any questions you have, feel free, uh, you know, Nate, to, to reach out to me. Uh, you know, feel, feel free to send me a message and I can, I can help you brew better. Fantastic. All right. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. I'm so excited for you and your journey and excited for everyone to discover you. 
Thank you so much, Kate. And uh, I'm so excited to be a part of Authenticate and uh, be, a, you know, be part of this podcast. And uh, if you ever want to have me back on, I would, I would love to appear again. Yeah, definitely. Fantastic. We should definitely do a second episode. We can take a deeper dive into all the sciencey, nerdy stuff. Yep. We're going to all run, <laughs> up, run out of here, throw away our bad coffee, get good stuff, and then we'll be able to talk to you in round two. <laughs> all right. Hey, thanks so much. And, uh, and I look forward to talking to you guys again. All right. Okay. Thanks, John. Take care, John. All right. Take care, Nate. Take care, Kate. Bye. That was such a fun conversation and we learned so much and we hope that you guys did too. We hope to have another episode with John in the future to take a deeper dive into coffee love. If you'd like to order coffee from John, you can email him at roastytoastycoffee at gmail.com. If you are in the Arlington area or local to Arlington, Virginia, you can stop in and see him at Fontaine Cafe. We will let you know whenever his subscriptions or newsletters are up as well as his website. But in the meantime, if you have any questions, reach out to him at roastytoastycoffee at gmail.com or you can contact me directly. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.